Welcome to Esoteric America, a podcast where we tour the strange, mystical, and esoteric pathways hidden beneath the surface of America. Join Mark, Tara, Roman, Chad, and a new local researcher each episode as we dive into our country's diverse regions, states, counties, cities, towns, neighborhoods, parks, etc., leaving no stone unturned as we unravel the cult knots that tie history, culture, religion, all in with the fringe elements that you may not have realized were at play in your own backyard. On this episode, Jackass Guard takes us on a tour of the Inland Empire in California. Enjoy the tour. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Esoteric America. I'm your host, Mystic Mark. Joining me, as always, is my girlfriend, Tara. Tara, how are you? We also have Chad here, Chad Stemke. Chad, how you doing today? Hey, guys and gals, doing great. Looking forward to our show today. Southern Cali, baby. Of course, and we have our resident West Coaster himself lighting up a very, very large, wide joint there. Homie Romy, Roman, how are you? Hey, what's happening? I'm supremely stoked we have made it down to Cali on the show. Uh, you know, which I'm also an extremely supremely stoked because I've been to Joshua Tree many times and I never knew this awesome name uh, of the inland uh, inland supreme area. I actually already forgot the name, but I'm inland really excited Empire. and stoked. Oh yeah, the Inland Empire. I, I've lived on the West Coast, born and raised up and down Washington, Oregon, California, and I right. never and you, heard you, this name. This is blowing you, my mind. You let the cat out of the bag because I was just about to say, today we set our sights on the Inland Empire in Southern California, and joining us is our man in the field, uh, local researcher himself. His name is, well, I know him as Zachary, even though his uh, Zoom says Jack Asgard. I don't know if that's a... A pseudo name you want to go by, Jack? Yeah, but uh, just, we call I mean, you. If you know me personally, yeah, it's it's close enough to my last name that, and my first name that you know I don't want to dock myself. So okay, <laughs> cool, cool. So welcome, Jack, to the podcast. Here, it's a pleasure Thank to have you. you. And um, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like you said okay. previously, before we started recording, um, you and I have talked on the phone before about doing a show and. This is the perfect fit for what you wanted to talk about. So what inspired you to do this research initially? Well, i um, born and raised here in the IE, uh, Inland Empire, uh, 951-909 area code. Uh, I'm 30. Uh, I grew up, basically, I've been here my whole life besides up in NorCal, Chico. So I'm pretty sure Rome, uh, he knows that, that area, the Chico, Humboldt County area, you know, Mendocino County. I got uh, stories about Chico, brother. Oh, I do too. I do too, my man. <laughs> I can get into that, but that's just more uh, fun stories. Um, but yeah, I went to college there. I've traveled. I've lived in Arizona, Alaska, but majority, like 95% of my life, I've lived in SoCal. And these are just a culmination of stories, my own curious research, um, like one of the slides I'll show you, I found out just hanging out with a buddy's neighbor and he's like, dude, look at this TikTok I found. And I was like, what? That's over by Gilman Springs. And then I don't want to uh, spoil it, but like, that just happened recently. And it, I just, 
have collected all these stories and and I just I'm just curious about this area. It's a very interesting area. It's uh, especially in the geog geography and the people. I I like to always say that I love the land. I hate the people. And because <laughs> as Romy knows, the the people are kind of weird. Um, they're kind of selfish, but. I love the actual topography of the land. There's mountains, there's desert, it snows. And it's just came to my attention that, you know, especially your podcast and, and, and Sam Tripoli's that I thought this would be a cool idea to expand everybody else's. Cause, um, not even like Romans as a, uh, not everybody knows this area. Everybody just knows LA, San Diego, um, not you know they had just had made a show about palm springs and i'm pretty sure if you gave someone a map like hey show me where palm springs is i guarantee a lot of people know what that is but yeah, yeah palm it. springs like, is a strange place they have uh, a history of uh military occupation down there and there's the whole salt and sea thing where you know they mm -hmm. artificially created a, a place for people to like swim you know like a resort and now it's all dried up but yeah, this is an interesting place. And even the name itself, Inland Empire, it's not a very usual name for a place. You know, we've we've had a couple typical names on the show, you know, things that are, you know, towns that are named after people or, or an amalgamation of like a person's name and a, and a prefix or a suffix. But Inland Empire, have you, did you look into like where that name comes from, why they call it Inland Empire? What's the explanation for that? Yeah, um, actually, I mean, it goes back and forth. Um, it's basically a new age thing because uh, if you want to kind of start going to the history of it, obviously this was Mexico's land, but even before then it was, it's called New Spain. But the name actually came from the Queen Victoria and there's actually Victoria Street in Riverside. Um, Riverside's probably the biggest street and biggest, sorry, uh, biggest city in the county. It's called Riverside County and there's also San Bernardino County. But in the Inland Empire itself, uh, Riverside is the largest. And when Queen Victoria came over here in the early 1900s, she liked it so much. And they were building her um, cash crop, which was the citrus oranges they got from uh, Southern um, America. And she loved the area so much that she, they started dictating the name for it. And there's, I mean, there's Orange County, which is kind of ironic because there were oranges there, but the Inland Empire actually had a lot more oranges per capita and um it was actually better growing area because you know a lot of people are moving out of la into orange county to kind of ex uh, expand the suburbs and the, the the queen named it after um it was originally called the orange empire and then in the early 1900s they changed it afterwards after she passed and the press enterprise which is a local um newspaper company they actually uh, coined the term in 1914 so that's when it first started it was, it was originally called orange empire and that'd be kind of contradictory with the orange county so that's um from what, what my research says and also folk tales and stuff like that just hearing it um secondhand that's what uh <clears throat> the area was called um and also the different tribes too they had a um, partnership and alliance, um, like Palm Springs, like you said, there was a tribe there called, uh, there still is, um, called Agua Caliente. Um, that's not their, obviously their real name. 
uh, it's what the Spanish gave them, but they had a big alliance with a lot of the desert groups. And then um, the Anglo expansion started to tell, to, to differentiate between the two. They just started calling it the empire, like the Inland Empire, because they just wanted to differentiate between the Spanish, the you know the Hispanic population, the Anglo white population and then just and plus it was way out in the desert you know like like you said by um by joshua tree and 29 palms and all the way up towards you know highland redlands san bernardino area and they're just well it's kind of sad actually the the why the natives got off their land you know like they were up in the mountains in san bernardino and they just, they just got kicked out <laughs> and so the, a lot of their names derive from spanish names mm. unfortunately Right. And I'm sure there's some of this in your presentation, which you, you oh, sent to me ahead of time. But uh, yeah, on the point of etymology, it's always interesting to know the origin of the name of a place like 29 Palms. I, I remember the first time I heard that it was a Robert Plant song. He has a song really? called 29 Palms. And um, I didn't realize that that was actually the name of a place. I just thought he <laughs> put that together himself like oh yeah there's 29 of them maybe there was some geometrical value or to it who knows but no i guess 29 palms like you said is a place um mm -hmm. has its history of its own i'm sure but is the inland empire is that a county is it a town is it a city like how does how does it how is it classified it's very loosely um, even today it's a very loosely defined it's basically um if you're not in orange county or LA County or San Diego County, you're probably in Indolent Empire area. Cause they're, like I said earlier, there's two major counties, which is actually, they're bigger than 10 states combined. Cause if you combine San Bernardino County and Riverside County per square footage, it's bigger than uh, a lot of the East coast states. It's a very, very large, um, sparsely populated besides on the West side of the counties, but it's, it's just basically it's just a combination of uh, Riverside County and San Bernardino County. And it's kind of just the, what the locals say, you know, like, hey, where are you from, man? Like, oh, I'm from the IE. Oh, sick, dude. Thing. Like, you know, right. like, it's just what we call it, you know. And it's kind of funny that you guys are like uh, so enamored about it. And it's just been like my whole life of calling it this, you know. It's, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's it's a curious name for a place for sure. And, and I remember the first time hearing about it just through like comedy podcasts, you know, people who are in L.A. using it. Uh, and it is kind of slang because, yeah, it's not an official like county. It's a com combination of two counties. It's really uh, our first region episode, right? Because we're not yeah. limiting this show to just uh, cities or towns or even parks and neighborhoods. We will go that far into the microscope and zoom in. But I think this episode, we're kind of zooming out at a larger area. And it makes sense for this area because it, it's pretty much all like scrubland and desert out there. Am I wrong? I mean, you have mountains, of course, but it, like, what's mm -hmm. the biome like itself? Very diverse, actually. Um, like I said, the most of the populations on the west side of both of the counties, uh, you know, uh, Riverside, Rancho Cucamonga, Ontario, these are all the major cities. Um, and it's only on the west part because, like you said, there's mountains that that cut off the rest of the high desert. It's called the high desert, actually. And, yeah, it's very interesting. There's um, There's lowlands there's uh places that actually snow like here i'm in a place called beaumont and i it's about three thousand feet up and it got snow like legit snow snow 
like I felt like I was in Colorado and this is a desert. It's got hundred degrees today. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like this is, this is also the only place in the world that you can grow oranges, see, see snow capped mountains and have a summer in these um, amounts of degrees, like over 110, over 100 degrees. It's the only place in the world that has those type of uh, different topographies. And it's very interesting. I, I could show you on the map that um, I'm in a I'm in an area called the San Antonio Pass, and there's a bunch of just mountains and and like in Palm Springs, that's the lowlands of the high desert. So it kind of escapes into the like you said, the Salton Sea, and it kind of just it well. I don't want to spoil, but that's kind of what I kind of started off with the whole flood evidence with Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock. I have all of Graham Hancock's books, by the way. I love him, but uh, shout out. Um, <laughs> uh, I was just like looking around because there's a lot of hills that are rounded, and I've always wondered why that is. But yet our mountains are very, very big and beautiful, but yet they're pointed. And it doesn't make a lot of sense mm-hmm. why all of our hills are rounded, but yet our mountains are pointed. And then I found out eventually there was a flood and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, before we get into the presentation, uh, Chad, Roman, do you have any questions? Uh, I was just going to mention that, you know, for people that haven't explored too much on the West Coast, it's kind of just how the coasts work in general. <laughs> but, you know, you have a lot more dense population and cities, uh, everything west of the I-5, the Interstate 5 that runs that runs all the way up. Once you start heading any amount east past the mountains, you're really just running into desert. It, that's yeah. in Was- Washington Desert, Oregon Desert, and in the Cali, obviously. And so, uh, you know, like Joshua Tree, which is in IE, is that is that right? Yeah, it's, it's considered the IE, yeah. Uh, and, and Lone Palm and those areas out there are like... I'm actually going to be looking this up while we're chatting, unless you have some uh, uh, can direct me to a place. But I'm curious about the uh, the electromagnetic radiation around that area because there's just so much Air Force situations going on down there. And then let's you know talk about all the crazy uh, UFO nuts that live out there that say there's something going on. So. Uh, it's like desert vibes are one of the best, man. I love desert vibes. They remind me of mushrooms, and that's cool. Uh, but I'm excited, dude. I'm excited to get into it. But you're, yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, Joshua Tree is very, very um, new age. It's like the Sedona of our area. <laughs> right on. Yes. yes. Chad? So I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious, actually. I've never been out that way. Uh, you mentioned how the topography and the biomes were very diverse correct does the cultures seem to correspond with those diversities like are the people in those particular biomes very different a hundred percent definitely a hundred percent like there's a place called big bear which a lot of la fighters like ufc fighters and boxers they'd like to go up to big bear because of the altitude so just depending on where you're going the people change drastically you go to the coast, man, and it's all surfers too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly the point. Thank you. But yeah, to your point, yeah, it, it definitely like uh, well, it kind of it's unfortunate because a lot of the areas are kind of p- poverty stricken. So yeah, you can go from a place like Dana Point, like you said, uh, and it's all affluence, and then you go to like downtown Riverside or like, um, you know, Desert Hot Springs, and it just 
poverty everywhere, unfortunately. You know, homeless, uh, bad infrastructure. But yet then you go 20 miles to the east or west, and then there's Palm Springs and Indian Wells, which, mm-hmm. you know, the freaking Kardashians, and, and they have their own house there. And it's like, it's just very, very uh, polarizing. So, yes, you are correct on that. It's interesting that the affluent place would be named Indian Wells, uh, a place where <laughs> the water, the w- only water is in a desert, if, if we're to believe that that's an accurate naming. But, wow, okay, cool. I think we're off to a great start here. Well, let's get into the uh, presentation. Okay, cool. I do um, want to say while you're uploading it, it was synchronistic when you reached out to me because... I started reading uh, Walter Bosley's book, The Empire of the Wheel, which I think I told you takes place in San Bernardino, California, and Mm -hmm. deals with Aleister Crowley and his time when he was in San Bernardino. And uh, I think that speaks to the history of this place being, you know, a sort of empire of oranges, because it was obviously, you know, um, connected to the larger world if a man like Crowley, who was very well-traveled, made his way through there. I I remember reading something about it being like the gateway to the West Coast because of its position uh, with the railroad. So it's interesting, you know, the oranges and the railroad. uh, Oranges are a huge part of uh, our culture, you know. I mean, Florida oranges, California oranges, and most of California used to be an orange grove, if my understanding is uh, correct. So... I can I can riff on the on that too, and that's a whole deep dive. But I think uh, the the train connection I, I, is something that we we should look out for in this show and talking about what railroad companies are in what different towns because <laughs> barons, barons, absolutely, absolutely. So we got the first slide here: a citrus to corruption. I love that subtitle, given what Thank we you. just mentioned and. And yeah, that is a big, big area, and it's right on the east side of Los Angeles. So it's, you know, this is a pretty important area considering, like, its proximity to such a culturally uh, impactful city like Los Angeles. I mean, Hollywood, uh, all sorts of progressive movements and things Mm -hmm. like that that have been shaking the, the country over the past few years seem to have a stronghold in Los Angeles, but wow. All right, cool, cool. So yeah, for people who are just listening, the Inland Empire is a pretty large place, uh, like I said, on the the east side of Los Angeles, and the the furthest western part would be like Riverside, uh, Rancho Cucamonga, which is a show, uh, which is the setting of one of my favorite shows, Workaholics. Yeah, workaholics. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, enough of my ramblings. Let's get into this oh, presentation. No. no, you're good. Uh, no, hundred percent. Like you guys were saying about the railroads. Um, this was the main corridor. Like you see that 10 freeway, the 10 freeway was a very, very, um, prominent, um, railroad and traveling, um, corridor for a lot of these places like there's a town next to me called banning and that was actually named after a guy who was actually got like famous and rich because of this traveling and he had a port he i think it was in long beach and he got very very rich just transferring goods and services and even route 66 is a famous route and it goes through the 215 
and you know even um Juan Batista Danza he made his route all the way through the IE just to get to LA and stuff and there's just tons and tons of uh of different just I mean train tracks even in Redlands there's um there's like a place called Oriental they would have all the Chinese workers uh, get pushed off of the of the train and then they'd work on the um the orange groves and they just started moving west mm-hmm. into LA. That's why there's Chinatown and, and Koreatown. They would work in IE and then they would get transferred to LA, San Diego. And that's why there's a lot of uh, Asian population in the area, especially with the Hispanics and, and uh, everybody else. But mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to piggyback on that. Sorry. Nice. <laughs> that was, no, good. That was a very it. good love point. It. But let me get it, to the next one then. Yes. Um, citrus to corruption, the corruption part, I couldn't really, find any slides for that later on but i i just if you can just remind me or i'll i'll get to that um let me get to the next one. Oh, there's corruption best to believe oh, yeah for sure it's for sure so uh these pictures uh it's from the area used to like i said earlier was new spain and it started in the 1500s when spain um became very uh affluent in the area and was a global power New Spain went all the way till the 1800s until Mexico got its independence in 1840s. And the cultural refer- uh, reference of it is very, very prominent, not only in Mexico, but um, in the New Spain area. Like in the bottom left, you see the neocolonial uh, architecture that they copied later on. And uh, even though one of the oldest things, that's why I kind of went in chronological order, because the top left was the thing called the Hemet Rock. Uh, that's where uh, the area I'm from as well. I kind of found that out um, by proxy because I grew up in an area just south of here in Beaumont called San Jacinto, which I can kind of get into. But that's one of the most ancient things I could think of, uh, along with the flood evidence, which I can kind of get into. But because um, that's obviously like 10,000 years old plus. But um, just culturally, like people-wise, these pictures I'm showing is some of the oldest that I could find that I know of. Um, and if you notice, if you look at it, it's kind of looks like, you know, the Austrian painters, uh, symbol. If you, I don't want to get to, uh, I don't want to get de- demonetized, <laughs> you know, by saying the, the word. For- oh no. Swastika is, is fine. I mean, swastikas are in the Hindu culture. I think as long as we say Hindu and not Hitler, we'll get away with saying swastika, but, uh, <laughs> but no, don't, sure. don't worry about that. This is a podcast. If it gets censored off of YouTube, well, guess what people on YouTube, you got to find other ways to listen to the show and you can find every video version of the show on Rockfin. And I guarantee they won't censor us ever for saying the, the evil word swastika, <laughs> not to, not to make, you know, I appreciate you having that concern, uh, Jack, but, but yeah, that is an interesting symbol and it's so much more universal than people think. And I would even argue to say that that's more of a labyrinth than, uh, uh, a swastika just the, because not all of the lines go in like the same direction the, the way a swastika does or at least the, that's how it looks from here maybe a mm-hmm. more zoomed in picture would say otherwise but kind of reminds me of a labyrinth yeah it, it's definitely the the pre-mayan uh aztecian culture kind of vibe but that's just there's obviously no research on the wikipedia but I mean, it looks very similar to it. That's why, I mean, if you look on the bottom left, you can kind of see um, the remnants of like a kind of one, you know, like, the, but it, it's in lines instead of it as a, as a maze. 
So you can kind of see it kind of looks like the Swati in that. And um, there, there's literally no evidence. There's no research. I can't, like, it sucks because I wish we knew why that's there. We have no idea. They can't even date it. It's, they have no idea. And it's just a mystery. And it's always been a mystery. What's, and I don't know what's why. the name of the marking again? What do they um, call it? It's in Hemet. It's called the Hemet uh, Maze Rock. It's in the Hemet Hills. Hemet, Hemet is the area of the IE. It's uh, the Hemet Senesino Valley. Oh it's wow! Very wide group. Is Hemet? Is that? That's not, that's not Spanish, is it? Is no, Spanish. it's actually Amish for home. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, well, I can get into I can get into Hemet and Senesino because um, I have a whole another slide for both of those. Um, Nice. Just the history in itself is very, very interesting. What are these other holes here, man? Is this oh, uh, is me... mining holes? Some some fairy holes? Uh, so I already told Mark this story, so I'll tell you guys it. Um, it's this is the Massacre Canyon one, so um, I've already told him like just of it. So I'll tell you guys. So the one in the middle, um, that's on the left side of a place. It's on the le um, left side of the valley. It's called Massacre Canyon. It's in San Jacinto. Actually, about. 100 yards away from the Scientology gold base, which I have a whole slide about. So we can kind of get into that to later, but it's literally a rock's throw away from the Scientology gold base. And so the story is that. Very interesting. Exactly. Exactly. Very <laughs> interesting. Um, Dude, uh, keep going. Keep going. Oh, no. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I heard this from my buddy's dad um he was my basketball coach growing up and he's full agua caliente indian he's actually on the council he's a council member of the agua caliente indian tribe very nice i love him to death shout out john toro and christian toro shouts out um love you guys um when i was growing up he told he told me the story of because i was always wondering why is there a river there and it's the san Jacinto river and like um i've always wanted to know why they called it master canyon and he told me, so before Mexico started and right when Spain started interacting with the natives, this is, you know, via 1500s to 1800s, you know, before firearms, before, uh, well, the major um, firearms were implemented. But um, the San Jacinto Valley is a very, very fertile area. And so what the Aguacalientes would do, they would team up with the Morongans, which um, I hope Romy, Romy would know. Uh, the Morongans are inland right by Temecula, um, you know, Marietta area. And they're very affluent as well. And back then, the Sabobans, which are the San Jacinto tribe, they were very um, farm heavy. They didn't, they weren't very into war. So what they would do, they would like basically double team them and they would coordinate an attack to take over the valley, take all their crops during crop season, take the women, obviously. That's why a lot of them look very similar because they would just basically grab all the women and they would just interbreed with each other. And especially with the Spanish too, because if you look at natives in the area, they, I'm like, are you Mexican? Like, <laughs> you know, because they, they would interbreed with the Spaniards and the, and the local natives. But so what they would do, they would have a battle and then see a smelting area on the bottom right where they, the Spanish actually taught them how to make those bricks and mortars out of the rocks. And they taught them how to smelt metal and daggers and spears and, and you name it, sabers. And then the they top took some right. Under, under their wings, eh? Exactly. The Spanish knew what's up, dude. And 
see the top right where it's a canyon and it's like very very steep and it's like a v-shape and that's the what's called the first waterfall so that's a sheer face probably three to four stories tall you can, there's no real reference you know um and it's a sheer face like very very hard to climb trust me like unless there's a rope it's you're having a tough time climbing it and you can't escape this valley. It's uh, if you can look on the other ones, it's very steep. You can't. It's like very, very hard to climb. So what they would do, they would corral them into that area of that waterfall, and it's just like a circular area. And then they would block them off. They'd make sure that they had no way to get out. So there'd be a couple um, Indians, uh, natives. Um, sorry, <laughs> on top, and they would basically have like sticks or something. They would push them down so that you, they couldn't escape up the waterfalls, and so what they would do is they would practice their first kills, like the young kids, you know, 12, 13, 14. They would get their first kills on the Sabobans. They would smelt in that area. They would make a dagger. They'd make a spear. They'd make whatever. Then they would grab a Saboban, fight to the death most of the time. And then they had so many dead bodies that to the left, that's actually a, um infirmary. They would throw the bodies on the top. You would uh, see that little trail on the right. They would walk up that trail, and then they would throw it in. And it has bricks. It's like it's lined with uh, bricks, and they would just throw the bodies in there in mass. Wow. Yeah, that's. And also, uh, does that's... this photo represent here in the bottom left? Is there a potential of zooming in just a little bit on that puppy? Oops! Shit! Oops! Well, and while you're zooming in, um, what's the reputation of this place like today? Because I know when a lot of people are deceased in a certain area, their bodies are, are interned in that same area, or maybe they just were killed in that area, their spirit or their energy or maybe just their DNA leaves a residue behind that others who are intuitive and sensitive seem to be able to pick up on. Is it... Is it like haunted? Like, do people go to Massacre Canyon like ooh on Halloween and stuff, or like? <laughs> actually, the Sabobans disown it. They they hate it actually. But no, there's not really anything like yeah. crazy like that. Um, there is a folk tale that the valley is cursed because there was a witch that was Saboban that supposedly his her son died through one of these attacks and she cursed the valley. So the whole running joke is that if you live in the valley wow. for too long that you'll become cursed and you'll have to stay in the valley, which is like a running joke. It's like, if you drink enough of the water that you'll never move out. And it's like more of a social economic thing now because people get comfortable and they just have the same. I mean, it's relatively cheap too. I grew up there. It's like rent's cheap. Um, it's a very chill area. And that's the whole joke is that if you live in the area for too long, you become cursed. This, no, th this building is, was in the Canyon. No, so it looks it, like some Baroque style architecture. Yeah, neocolonialism is very, very prominent here. That's actually um, the beginnings of the Mission Inn in Riverside. I just grabbed it because um, it just was a cool um, picture, and it kind of gives you the, the you, idea of what it was like back. It was what it was like back then, like how they dress. The, maybe, the maybe I'm mistaken, but did you mean neoclassical architecture? Because I don't know if there's a neocolonial type of architecture, but. Uh, especially with the Spaniards, yeah. They wanted to – that's why it was called New Spain. They wanted to enact, like, Barcelona, Madrid. They wanted to enact that over here. They wanted to basically to have, like, 
LA to be their new right, Barcelona. Right. So they they were a, a new colony, but the right. architecture you're saying was neoclassical, like as in like they were trying to build what was in Europe. Oh yeah, sorry. I, yeah, I guess yeah. Uh, just to yeah, clarify, sorry. I don't mean I'm not trying to correct you or anything. I oh, just no, you're you're probably correct. I just meant it as like yeah, because I've heard the term in... neo-colonial used in different contexts, like not architecturally, but um, but anyways, let's I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. No, 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 no it's, it's all right. More of a cultural thing. Hey, you know, they wanted I... to have the same buildings. They wanted to have the same like. Um, yeah. No, culture. it makes sense. It makes sense. They wanted to, and they they wanted to condition the the natives or the Indians there uh, to live like Spaniards, right? That's the whole idea with colonialism: is that you convert everybody to become Christians or whatever you know the colonizers' dominant ideology is. You you convert them to that, and and architecture and buildings are a great way to do that because you build your symbols on you know the things that people build their lives around which is uh, the town structure and whatnot but uh but yeah new spain pre-mexico very interesting stuff let's uh let's move up to the the next slide what do you think all right yeah the one in the middle is basically just idlewild um that was another hot spot for the indigenous they would go up there for you know rituals and when you say the away. one in the middle do you mean center top or center bottom center top yeah the, with the mount with the mountains okay. that's, that's idlewild actually which i can kind of get into later but i just wanted to put that in because it was one of the first areas they would go for their rituals and to get away from the heat during the summer okay so, so this is like the highlands uh this is actually the top of the mountain it's kind of crazy because the, the the view we have is the very very tip tip top, and there's actually a flat part. But what you're seeing, uh, it's called Mountain View, and uh, it's in that same valley of San Jacinto and Hemet, and it's one of my favorite areas. It's very very cool. Um, mm -hmm. But we, we can kind of get into that more because uh, Hollywood people early in like the 15 in the 1950s used to go to Idlewild a lot. But um, let me move on. Um, speaking of indigenous, this is. Um, the map of the territories on the left uh we're in that yellow area um but that's basically all of the inland empire and then and what's the distinguishing factor because we have a th you know four or five regions we have like our colors that are i'm guessing maybe connected tribes that shared a language or a culture we have green pink yellow blue and red all in their respective seeming regions what what's the distinction in that map on our left there um like i was um talking about earlier they made a alliance with each other so basically all the yellow areas were kind of had a mutually exclusive um alliance with each other just basically besides um, the whole massacre canyon thing mm. for the most part they they helped each other and unlike unlike the san diego tribes on the on the bottom they were just let each other be and there was not a lot of cross-pollinations they kind of kept to themselves unfortunately huh. and that's interesting that the san diego people down there are very isolated there's uh and i know this isn't that close to san diego but the catalina islands apparently there are giants on the catalina islands that have been uh, you know dug up and and there are cases where certain isolated tribes have a, a whole another genealogy than uh, their neighbors. Maybe that's a case there, but San Diego is yeah, definitely not. 
are all over California, man. It's uh, fully ancient Lemurian lands, just saying. Yeah. Are there any stories of uh, the tribes within the Inland Empire? Are any of them talking about giants? Are they particularly Mm -hmm. tall themselves? What's that, the situation like there? 100%, yeah. Um, If anybody was over, like, basically, like, 6'5", 6'6", you'd be bumped up to, like, council you know, elder or council tribe elder. Oh, I'd be um, sad. I'm six, eight. I'd be the leader of the tribe right away. <laughs> That's they, unfair. They knew back then they kind of knew like the whole genealogy of like, you know, um, Nephilim gene and all that jazz. They kind of knew it back then. So if you were big also, I mean, you're a good fighter, you know, you're a good warrior, but they kind of knew it, you know, um, without actually knowing it per se. And so they would just bump them up to leader if you were uh, a big stature. So yeah, like you said, on the Candelita Islands, there's been um, evidence on San Diego. Even here in the IE, there's been a few like Macedon and giant um, burial sites actually in rivers. has been in uh, Hemet. There's a, a mound of uh, Macedon uh, horns that were buried with a, a giant. They, they don't have it on the internet, they actually kept it away from the public. They only have it in the museum over there, which I've seen, which is pretty crazy. The dude was easily six. You mean you mean a, a tusk? A tusk of a, of a mastodon? Wow. Was, yeah, he, he or she was buried with it. That'd be, like they, they purposefully made like a bed of it and then like made a casket of these of these uh, tusks. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're even if you were only like five feet tall, if you had a tusk as a weapon, I'm sure you'd be a formidable opponent <laughs> to anybody who challenged you. So, yeah, that guy probably got ranked oh, up pretty quickly, true. too, with the with that kind of uh, armament. If he used it as a weapon, who knows? It could have been a sacred item. Maybe it was hollow and they blew it like a horn. I mean, that could be possible, too, like uh, it, homie Romy's sort of the expert uh, as far as the resonant sound and musical aspects of things and uh our episode about nashville just came out uh uh, homesteads or subterranean caves like some Mm -hmm. of them are held at high spiritual value because archaeoacoustic or uh specialist sorry one sec one sec um archaeoacoustic recordings will find some subterranean caves to have like very specific like built out corners and things like that and i wouldn't be surprised if if there was some more deeper uh ancient use of the mines that were then taken over by the spanish when they came over you know the spanish conquistadors were obsessed with the gold and that was you know their reasoning for going to south america and then you know their plans with the top half of the continent and um you know i just yeah i've been really into mining lately like just thinking about mine like the the people who have owned the mines forever have had to just kept that money perpetually going mm. you know and just on to the well, next considering mine. the the pictures we saw in the last slide with those caverns or holes in the yes. ground i mean yeah for sure it definitely so, could connect but uh and I was alluding to just, yeah, like they, I think there's a lot more cave systems and hollowed grounds and subterranean importance to the uh, prehistory of California. Uh, because just until like a, a month and a half ago, I had no idea that there was any mound 
building uh, uh, peoples over here in California. I thought there were no mounds, and I was completely mistaken. And I was like, holy shit, I know nothing. Everything's a lie. Well, 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 to your point, you know, about the subterranean (laughs) thing, um, we're looking at the slide that says post-flood indigenous, and some legends, maybe not from California natives, but uh, the Hopi out in Arizona, they say they went underground to survive a cataclysm so are the, is there anything like that jack in this part of the world in the inland empire stories of uh of the flood what what's the purpose of of titling this post-flood indigenous yeah the, the story is that they actually went to the mountains because when you think about it like i said the all the hills are rounded and like romy said there, there's a few that are very sacred like mount rubido in riverside that has a cross on it and it's supposedly a like cursed or like it's haunted. And then there's a bunch of those types of things around here. Like Idlewild in itself is a spiritual mountain. Like the, the top right picture that's called suicide rock. And it's kind of a, a, a common trope. You know how like Romeo and Juliet that are like, Oh, if we can't be together, you know, off ourselves. That's where the name suicide rock came from. Cause supposedly it's the same thing where during this flood today, which I totally concur, you know, I don't know why, how else the flood would have caused but he's represented by evil green comet, which is mm. kind of funny because it's like, why would they pick a comet yeah. and a flood? Well, 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 comets were harbingers of things like that back in the day. They were seen as omens. And a, a recent episode of the Higher Side Chats with Tess Clark, Tessa Clark, she uh, she went into depth on like all this interesting yeah. stuff about comets. I recommend anybody check that out. But on the just, point, just talked to her last week, dude. I, oh, I, right I, on. I so then check quick. out Rising from the Ashes podcast. That's let's right. let's that's check right. out that podcast first. But um, but yeah, on the point <laughs> of Lover's Leap, that's a very predominant folklore theme. No matter where you go, I mean, there's a Lover's Leap in uh, Connecticut that's notable, and I remember Ross Ben talks about uh, a Lover's Leap in the Wissahickon Creek or, or somewhere around there. And it's a, it's a part of his book, great mystery, Philadelphia. So it's, it's worth bringing up. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I I just thought it was funny that, um, like you said, yeah. I mean, there's also a lot of caves around here too, which I can kind of get into that. They use a lot of the caves as tunnels and which you can kind of, there's a few other slides about that, but um, I just wanted to hop on what Romy said about that. So um, let's see, I think we're, Good on this one. I just wanted to put the Agua because I love them. They're they're good. They're shouts out to the Toros. Um. <laughs> and I like that book. Uh, I forget what Before the name you... of that. Go, go ahead, Chad. Sorry. Well, I was just gonna say before you go to the next slide, I got a quick question about the giant mastodon site you was talking about. Did you say that was also in Hemet? Yeah, they actually have a museum there, and their whole claim to fame is that they found a mastodon there. And what they don't report on is the the skeleton of the person because I remember seeing it in the museum, but there's nothing online about the. Oh, I mean, come on! Why would they report on a seven foot five? You know, it just doesn't doesn't go with the narrative. But they yeah. do. Like even the middle no. school, the middle school next to it's called the Mastodons. I mean, for fuck's sake! Like, you know, like why would they name nice, it? Nice, nice. Yeah, but yeah, it's weird that like, you can't find it anywhere on the internet, but I saw it, and I, he was just surrounded by the tusk, like in a burial grave, and uh, he must have been important, you know? Very interesting. Who knows? Now, was you... that near, was that near the Hemet Maystone you were talking about in the same vicinity? Um, I'd probably say as the crow flies, 
five miles. Interesting. You know, it's a very big. I know area. in Legend and Lore, yeah, in Legend and Lore, a lot of times the giants are related to labyrinths, and we were just talking about that rock kind of looking like it has a labyrinth-style maze on it. Just wondering if there could be any correlation or connection there. Right. Not that I know of. Um, probably could be a map. That's right. You know, I don't know. There's no. There's literally. If you look it up on on Wikipedia, the, the Wikipedia is like literally five sentences. It's huh. crazy. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know why either. Well, while we're on the point of Hemet, uh, very famous actor Bill Murray is from Hemet, California. Uh, that's yeah. an interesting point to to note. But yeah, very <laughs> cool. These uh, wow, these dinosaur and, and ancient creature remnants. I think they're 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 deep, deeply esoteric subject. You know, we've talked about this on previous episodes. How there are certain institutions that go and wipe away things like evidence for giants, and you know, who knows? Maybe these creatures <laughs> that they do show us fit into a different ecosystem that we're only given a few uh, pieces of. So it's it's just harder to conceptualize, but. Uh, yeah, very interesting stuff. I like this uh, book you have because I don't know the name of that series of books, but they make local guides, and that's a great place to start. For anybody who wants to be on this show, go to your local bookstore and find, if you're watching, you could see that each book has the same format, so you'll recognize it. But there are books like this on your local area that have little nuggets of information that will definitely prime you up and, and get you into this type of research. But uh yeah, let's check out the next slide. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, it sounds good. So, speaking of flood, um, ooh, yeah. So this is, so this is an interesting subject. This is kind of how I, I want to say, I don't want to be too cringe, but how I got red pilled on the whole flood thing was uh, there's a place called Glamis, which is the middle, the middle and top left pictures. Um, that's called Glamis. Or uh, I can't I can't say it in Spanish. The Algoagonian dunes. I don't know. My Spanish sucks. Um, no pues. And so there's a very very popular area to go dirt bike riding and quads and and all that good stuff. And this is the area where everybody goes. And I never really looked into it too much growing up. Like I'm 18. I'm you know I'm young. I didn't really think about it. Like, okay, there's just the sand dunes, but it's weird because look at how it goes from hard packed to sand. It's just immediate, and it's it's crazy. I never really thought about that because there's a place called Akatia Wells right by it, which we just dirt bike, and then it's hard pack, and we didn't think anything of it. And then once I started reading about, um, you know, the, the Clovis Comet and the pre-Diluvian civilizations, I was like, hmm, is this evidence for the flood? Because it sure looks like it. You know, it's in a straight line. It's it looks like it would be the remnants of a major flood catastrophe. The major uh, synopsis of it is that it's actually on the Wikipedia for uh, Salton Sea, like you said, is that supposedly the Salton Sea calls this, but I I, I just I don't buy it because it's just so large. Like it's it's hard to describe it with these pictures, but these sand dunes are easily five six seven stories tall it's insane they're just insanely big and it's it's look how far it's probably a hundred mile i'm uh, sorry not 100 miles maybe like 50 miles deep 100 miles wide 
right and it's maybe insane. it was created for uh by hollywood so they could make star wars <laughs> that's actually what i always tell people that in return of the jedi the sarlacc pits out there in flam <laughs> <laughs> and and they always get a kick out of it nice so this salton sea has water in it at at this current moment in time where right. is this sand dune uh, area in proximity to where the water still is? It, is it right next door and it's just like segmented or bisected by like cities and or parts of the city? There's not really cities besides Slab City, which isn't really a city. Um, I've <laughs> heard about a... Slab City on Viceland. They did a whole thing. They, they they went and interviewed some of the guys that live in Slab City. So you have you been to Slab City? Yeah. Nope, oh, okay. not that not that hippie yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe a few trips to Sedona. But I, I guess city was the wrong word. It's bisected by like human population, for lack of a better word, right? Of yeah, there's not that many. All those little green things are just for agriculture, and right. uh, they're just trying to get this, the area back to what it used to be. But yeah, huh. I'd probably say the Glamis area is about maybe maybe 10 to 15 miles, 20 miles south of the Salton Sea. That's why they say it's caused by it, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me how that caused it. It, it just it, it just doesn't – it never added up to me. But, I mean, there is one thing because there's a lake called uh, – back in, I think, what the flood left over was Lake Cholula, um, which it encompasses that whole area. And if – I mean, this is a big if – if that caused Glamis, but I don't think so. I think the flood caused it, and then the remnants of Salton Sea and Lake Cholula was the the flood. It was just a stag pond um, that was left over. I mean, and it just doesn't make any sense. Why not? Because why would there be an inland uh, like stag pond this far inland, and if for it to stay there for so long? Mm. And there's another stag pond, which is called Lake Elsinore, which is the middle um, lower picture. That's actually the biggest stag pond in America, uh, even bigger than the ones in uh, Minnesota and all over the United States, the lower 48 to be exact, because I, I, uh, you know, there's probably huge ones in Canada and there's probably huge ones in Alaska, but just in the lower 48. Lake Elsinore is the largest, and um, I think that's also evidence for the flood as well. Because why would there be a huge stag pond of fresh water um, just chilling there, it, and no one's ever had explanation for it too? It's not like the water table is you know raging over here in California yeah. by any means, exactly. you know. So yeah, exactly. Like how the hell did it get here? You know, interesting. And what's the elevation of this this area? Uh, is it? Pre it's pretty far from the coast, right? So it's probably mm -hmm. pretty fucking high. No, it's 35. actually pretty low. That's oh, why I it? think. Yeah, it's actually pretty low because it's at the bottom of uh, the Ortega Mountains. You probably, you guys have probably had an Ortega Burger. The Ortega Mountains is about due west of this picture, and the Ortega Mountains is a pretty average mountain range. But the area that we're looking at, that Lake Elsinore, is probably about sea level. If anything, it's not very high. It, I mean, if anything, now, it might be negative, if I remember correctly. Yeah, now, isn't, I mean, I don't think Death Valley is, it might be north of the Inland Empire by some yep. degree, but it, it, it that's, like, incredibly low compared to sea level. So I'd imagine that's that right. this yeah. isn't all that dissimilar from, from Death Valley, right? 
Exactly. Yep. And if anything, it's a thousand feet and under. If any, you know, if I if I had if wow. I had to guess, maybe five hundred. So does it feel different? Uh, like the same way people go to Big Bear to experience like that difference? Like, do you feel the low elevation when you're in a place like that? Oh, for sure. Um, I'm in Beaumont right now, and it's about three thousand feet, and it's drastically different from the lowlands of San Jacinto or. Riverside or San Bernardino, it's a hundred percent different. Speaking of uh, Geiger counters and radiation, you know, the closer you get to the center of the planet, uh, and the more caves there are around you, and especially the more mineral mines there are around you, uh, lots of uh, electromagnetic radiation and and power earthen power raw organic earthen power so that's really interesting to think about the kind of it, it goes from sea level uh you know rises up and it dips back down and then dips up again into the mountains before uh you know because people you know obviously probably know the tectonic plates of the north american plate and the pacific ocean plate they kind of overlap with each other creating the ring of fire and creating the mountain range over here uh mm -hmm. the pacific mountain range and then so like in between like the mountains and the fault line is like a bunch of <clears throat> sketchy land like especially if we ever get any tectonic movement which you know, they're always doom and glooming us with like, we're 350 years past due of a giant earthquake. And you're like, you're probably not wrong, dude. I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, anyways, have you ever experienced an earthquake down there? That's what 100%. I was percent Yeah, it's the yeah. weirdest thing ever. I'm, I'm like right on the San Andreas Fault. So, Oof. yeah, I'm kind of fucked. <laughs> 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 no, it feels weird, though. Like, I've woken up from one when I was like a teenager. I've... One time I was like hanging down on the couch and then I was like, Hey man, do you, why, were you like moving the couch? He's like, no. And I was like, what the, f like I've probably felt maybe a dozen in my life, like over 4.0s. Wow. That's yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. Never once. I, I, I'm, I guess I'm lucky, but where we live, uh, Tara and I is very tectonically, uh, stable. We'll say <laughs> it feels weird. It feels like you're in a Petri dish. It's the weirdest thing I've ever felt in my life. <laughs> yeah. Take like, <laughs> Puts you in check. Puts you in check. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you get humbled real fast. Well, you can't decorate like I can uh, when you live out there because all this stuff <laughs> that I have on my walls will come raining down. My bookshelf will be gone. So I don't blame you guys for death by books. <laughs> um, well, it's not that frequent. You know, I'm 30 years old. Only, uh, you know, only about the dozen. And uh, out of those dozen, maybe six are memorable. So nothing crazy, but yeah, it's, okay. it's like nothing too wild, but it's definitely, it's a thought in all of our heads. Definitely. Yeah. And, and then I want to, you know, see what we, what we can rap about on the California being an Island at one point, uh, because yeah. that is one of my, my, my favorite. Even if it wasn't an Island, like a peninsula at the very least, a large, Definitely. large peninsula, you know, like it's pretty evident that it must've, there must've been way more water at some point. Um, well, the idea is that Baja California, they mixed up Baja California with California. That's the whole uh, theory is that the, whoever was being the map maker, accidentally fucked up with Baja and thought that it was a whole <laughs> peninsula. That's just a theory. But um, I'm more of the, it's going to be one. I'm more of like, I mean, mm -hmm. I have a, a perfect circle tattoo. 
I nice. love Maynard, and I, I hope that um, if there's a song for this, that it could be Anima by Tool, Learn to Swim, you know, because we definitely need to learn how to swim. So Right on. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Nathan Lee Miller Foster. He did a breakdown on all the symbolism in Tool on uh, Sam's Rockfin show, Only Conspiracies, but... Uh, yeah, this is interesting. I mean, like I said, I, I've seen some Viceland stuff on this area. The Slab City documentary was very interesting. It feels like this is sort of like a an extreme, uh, sort of off-the-grid kind of area, so to speak. Like, you could be an off-the-gridder easy in the Inland Empire. Is that true? 100%, yeah. Like, Big Bear, you can go off the grid in Big Bear, Ottawa, San Jacinto, because San Jacinto has its own mountain range. Mm. I wouldn't suggest it, but that's just... Uh, <laughs> um, Big Bear is very popular for uh, off-gridders. I mean, that Chris Donner guy fucking went to Big Bear. Um, I mean, <laughs> he, knew, he knew what was up. Uh, yeah, if you guys remember that dude back in, like, 2013. Um, I don't want to get too much into the conspiracy theory of it, but, I mean, he, he picked Big Bear for a reason. You know, and I don't know who's who's this Chris Doner. Who's this? Uh, I think I'm saying his last name on Dorner, Dorner, I think. Um, long story, TLDR is uh, he was a police officer in I think LA County and he was trying to uh, expose the corruption of LAPD. And I think he, like, now this is all supposed, you know, quote unquote, but I think he took out a few of the upper chiefs or something like or, or sergeants and then he was on a police chase all the way through from la to big bear set up a like a trap or like a, a like a like a like a fixed house and then set it on fire i think he survived it that's just my theory mm, so he faked the- a, a, a like a self-immolation you exactly wow nice wow yeah that guy's crazy man man but i had a I had a uh, thought today. This is completely side tangent, and I'm going to shut up and mute my mic, I promise. Uh, You're good, dude. But thinking about, I was listening to a song, I, and I sent it to Mark. Uh, it was It's by Anderson Pock, uh, who's awesome, and he, he like names his albums after little uh, spots down in SoCal. And, uh, and it's a song with Q-Tip, and they're both talking about their boys that they lost. You know, Anderson Pock was boys with Mac Miller, and uh, Q-Tip was obviously boys of Five Dog, right, and Tribe. And I was just thinking, I was like, uh, and then I was listening also to this guy named Zion. I was listening to a lot of hip hop today, and Zion and I passed away recently. And I was just like thinking about, you know, music is a sacred science. You know, it's one of the high initiatory secret sciences, right? If once you got up to like the Pythagorean level and shit. Uh, But what if, what if they were, they were faked their death. So then this, they could go into a higher uh, level of initiation somewhere in the, uh, in the Hollywood realm, you know, cause there's all these, this Hollywood deaths that happen. And I'm wondering if they're just, they're going underground into these old mining systems and to do some crazy initiatory uh, seances or some shit. Who knows? <laughs> so random. And I do apologize for polluting everybody's mind. No, 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 nonsense. no, that wasn't nonsense, brother boy. Come on now. It's on par. It's on par. <laughs> I mean, we, I mean, 
me and Mark think that uh, Chris faked his death. I mean, I, I, I agree, man. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who, who said? Out. Who said? I think what? No. Okay, okay. No, sorry, you sorry. think that, Mark? You're group allegedly, group. allegedly. I don't allegedly. know. I don't know. <laughs> I forgot. I even forgot who Chris was. Rest in peace. Um, R.I.P. But we've been we've been looking at the big flood slide for a while. What's next? Okay. Oh, but before we get off it, I just wanted to show. Sure. Um, I sent you the pictures of Lamb Canyon. Okay. Uh, on the Instagram, and I couldn't find anything, and I, I couldn't. You know, I had to screen grab that from uh, from Google Maps. But this is the most prominent and most famous rock in the Lambs Canyon area. It's the elephant, and it's, I think it's just more evidence for the flood because out of nowhere in this one canyon, there's tons. I mean, if you look on your Instagram or if you want to post up the pictures, like just tons of these huge boulders that are rounded, just absolutely ginormous ones and they're just stuck in the side of this valley in this canyon and i've never questioned it until the, the whole flood evidence and and now i know exactly what they are they're rounded rocks over on the flood and just got jammed into the middle of the side of a of a valley and if anybody that's from santa Sino and hemet can can know exactly what the elephant is so i just wanted to put that in there <laughs> You're talking about the Hemet Maze Stone? No, no. Uh, I sent you um, early on on your Instagram. I sent you some screen grabs of the Lambs Canyon rocks. Oh, okay. A- yeah, I couldn't post this uh, picture from uh, Instagram to the computer. I just don't have the ability at this moment in time. But no uh, yeah, people can look that up. Lamb Canyon, uh, Beaumont, yeah. California. I just wanted to add it in there, but um, we move on to the next one then. Okay, so here's uh, Arrowhead San Bernardino. Um, very, very interesting area. So on the top left, uh, that's an early picture of uh, – there's a place called Arrowhead by Lake Arrowhead. Um, there's obviously Arrowhead water, which is sus. You know, it's not very good water, I think, but, you know, that's just me. And there's supposedly – that's natural, which I don't know. I don't think. And to you, what do you guys think? That that uh, that is like too natural. First thought that that arrowhead on the left. That's a that's a depiction, or is that a real? That's a real. Pic- that's a real picture. So it's what's the story on the arrowhead? Who put it there? Was that's a uh, that's a natural rock formation, supposedly. Yeah, we've talked about this. I remember you showed me this. This is very interesting. I, maybe someone else brought this up as well, but I know you I, did. I think I did. Yeah, I know you did, and uh, yeah, it's very fascinating that there's no plant life that grows in this area, and it, it's exactly what it looks like—an arrowhead. But it's pointing right down, you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to up, which is that's the first thing that caught my attention. I'm wondering because, you know, the thing is with like ancient uh, Masons, when they were, you know, looking for new territory, especially when they're looking for the Ponce de Leon or all the gold dowsing rods are a thing, you know, to try to find old mining grounds and well, places with ancient electromagnetic radiation. And I'm like, I wonder if it's a marker. We should mm-hmm. go there and start digging. Well, I would say also uh, the Native Americans, at least in New England, had these stones called Manitou stones that were uh, shaped like the rough silhouette of a human being. So if you you interpret that, you can maybe interpret it as like a head and shoulders of a of a person, or maybe even a bird. 
uh, you know, so it doesn't necessarily have to be an arrowhead, but that's what it's been uh, named and remembered as. And maybe the natives say that themselves, like, oh, no, that's an arrowhead. But either way, yeah, it definitely doesn't look like uh, a natural feature. Who knows how that could have been pulled off. But, uh, but yeah, maybe it's, it's, a, it's a very elaborate earthwork, which we just haven't seen many other examples of. It's almost like a Nazca line, except it's oriented towards the the viewer rather than like for someone in the sky the theory is that there's springs at the base of the mountain of the san Bernardino mountain and also there's a lake arrowhead which is directly above the arrowhead which surprisingly so the theory is that for travelers or anybody that needed water or rest that you would just look for the arrowhead and then you would find out where to go from the arrowhead like a like a dowsing rod man finding exactly. that water that's exactly. tight dude that's super cool yeah it's it's very interesting um and lake arrowhead's very very big as well it's um it's up there with big bear lake and it's on the same mountain range so it makes sense why they would either um create this and maybe they maybe it had a big area of rock and then they they formed it with like the natives but there's also other evidence of it too in the senesino mountains where they decided to carve the mountain and show what days of the year it is in the side of the mountain. So I'm not, you know, I'm not one to think that the natives basically um, jumped on to this giant rock face and then they're like, well, we can make something of this. That's, that's my own personal theory. But the Wikipedia and stuff, they just say, oh, it's just a natural rock formation. And yeah, but it's, it just doesn't. So you're saying you're not one to think that the natives made it or you're not one to think that the, the mainstream explanation is true? The latter. Uh, the former, I agree with. I think the natives, they, okay. they hopped on and then they, huh. they did something with it, like for positive or for, for good, you know? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I don't find any reason to disagree. And uh, like I said, you've shown me this previously and I remember it really well because it's such a, like, a striking thing. I imagine in a time before uh, GPS and all this stuff, that would have been a very helpful navigation tool to see like, oh, okay, we're near Arrowhead Mountain. Like maybe it's pointing towards something on the other side of the mountain. Maybe it's saying, oh, you arrived, right? You said there's a spring there. It could be pointing people towards water in what seems like a very dry place, right? I mean, it's not a lot of water out there. I, I don't know how those homeless people uh, rough it out there. I, I was just reading this awesome book that was written and or was interpreted later, but it was written originally in like 45 BC and it just furthers the obsession of bathing and pools and natural springs of the ancient Greeks and of, uh, uh, at, uh, Egyptians as well. Like ancient Egyptians love baths. They had special waters. And so it, that's really interesting to think that this could be a really ancient marketing spot, like even pre-existing and pre the native indigenous peoples like that. That's mind boggling because that's a whole yeah. rabbit hole to start to line up and map all that stuff out. Chad, you got something to wrap on that, brother? Yeah. Yeah, man. Mark, Mark made a good point saying it reminds him of Nazca. And in Nazca, the way they did the lines is by removing earth, you know, kind of opposite of our mounds. And this looks like a similar situation where there's certain things not there been removed. 
And it also reminds me of the Thunderbird symbol. This is the same shape many tribe would use for the symbol of the Thunderbird. And we're talking about on top of a mountain, you know, up in the air. And let's see, we're also removing the earth like Nazca Mark talked about over in, I think it's called Blythe. It's in the Inland Empire. Correct. There are what they call in tag. I might be saying this wrong. No, you got it. Yeah, the Blythe Antaglios. Yeah, I've seen those before. Yeah, Yeah, I've heard heard of that before. And it's it's the same type thing where they remove the earth to make a shape. So this in some way could even be connected to those because the way they made it is identical. And over there, there's Thunderbirds. There's big star men inside of pentagrams or serpents or spirals. And here you got a Thunderbird. You know, well, so to I, add to it, I wonder um, if there's a connection. If, dude, sorry. nice. That's a bring wrapping it back around to the Thunderbird because that's been a consecutive thing up in the show. That's awesome. Well, to add to it, um, Palm Springs also has uh, well waters and and supposedly is a, a healing area for the natives. So whoever they're also in the same culture. Remember from the map earlier. So the Palm Springs area is very, very well known for their healing properties of their water, even nowadays. But so imagine back then how much, uh, quote unquote healing was going on. Wow. That's that's super fascinating. I'd love to, that's talking ancient, ancient man. Like their antediluvian world is such a mystery. I love, I love conceptualizing all that. In the Agua Caliente tribe, they know what's up. It's on their land, and they won't ever sell it to America. Nice. I know. They're badass. They're like, nah, we're good. <laughs> Dude, after harvest, uh, I'm, I'm going to go visit my buddy down in New Mexico. He just bought some property down there, and I'm taking like a little road trip to get to Florida sometime in December. And so I'm going to be cruising down this area, man. I'm going to be checking out some of these spots because this is this has been super rad. And I'll hit you up, dude. Maybe we can uh, do a little IE tour, bro. Yeah, I'll be here. <laughs> nice, bro. Right that'd on. Be, that'd, that'd be nice. You could see everything. Right on. Yeah. Definitely film some stuff while you're down there for the show. But uh, all right, cool. I love that postcard, both of them. Um any yeah, word more, on this monument there in the bottom right-hand corner? Yeah, so one of the first people in this area, especially the San Bernardino County Valley, was actually the Mormons. Um, during the 1800s, uh, um, Brigham Young sent a, a expedition down here to colonize the area and set it, have a, a, a settlement. And then they were doing pretty well. Uh, they didn't have any beefs with every, you know, but just back, just just like now back then, they were nice. And unfortunately, they had a civil war in Utah, and that commemorates the Mormon uh, colony before they left for the civil war. They actually left everything to the Spaniards and the, and the natives. So they ended up just making this monument in San Bernardino and just, just to show that the Mormons were here. They, they were one of the first ones to start, uh, well, an Anglo American or Anglo, you know, uh, European slash Mormon colony. Cause obviously the natives and the, um, and the Spanish were here, but especially way inland, like San Bernardino, there wasn't that many people, right. You know, it was very, very sparsely populated. So the Mormons decided to make some farms and they did pretty well for themselves up until they wanted to departure to their, uh, 
I, which I thought was very weird because I didn't even know the Mormons had a civil war. <laughs> I didn't even know they have wars. So I just thought it was very interesting that they they, they just uprooted themselves. Yeah, they had a, religion is supremely esoteric. Yeah, they had a whole land that they called I forget the name of their unofficial state, but uh, yeah, I, I pointed that out because it kind of looks like a wagon wheel. I assume that's what it is, and uh, one of the places on my list that I hope to check off at some point in the course of this podcast is Conestoga, Pennsylvania, because the Conestoga wagon, which is named for Conestoga River, uh, the Conestoga wagon was like the famous wagon that helped everybody uh, settle the West. So it's, it's deeply ingrained in the symbolism. And then of course you have like the wheel of fortune and the tarot card. You have a, a Hec- Hecate's wheel, which is a big part of uh, Walter Bosley's book on uh, San Bernardino and all the strange things that happened there uh, around the height of this orange industry really kicking off. But uh, yeah, it's really an interesting place. Uh, what's going on with the next slide? So uh, let's see. here. This is just a continuation of we kind of already went over it. Um, I just wanted to show um, why it was called the Empire because uh, I'm trying to this is more going in chronological order. So it kind of make it easier for me, but um, just, well, I guess I'll add in that uh, since she liked the area so much, she actually decided to uh, line this street in Riverside, which is uh, Victoria and Arlington, the cross streets of Victoria and Arlington. With she being pump. Queen Victoria? Correct. Sorry. Right. And she liked it so much here that she decided to uh, decorate this whole street with roses and bushes and and palm trees and eucalyptus trees from Australia. Cause you have to remember there's tons of eucalyptus trees around here for no apparent reason other than Queen Elizabeth wanting eucalyptus trees here. Cause of you have to remember that the, the UK had dominion over Australia and the only place naturally where eucalyptus trees are grown is in Australia. So she decided to bring over those trees cause she liked it so much and just decorate the area with it. And now it's just, overgrown with eucalyptus and flowers and even now like all over the ie there's there's eucalyptus and palm trees which aren't native to the area and her idea was that they're so big that if you're working the orange trees and you didn't know where to go you would just look for these huge trees palm trees or eucalyptus and you would be able to get out of the um the field kind of weird i know but it's just it's in, actually the area of that of that part of riverside is very very nice actually there's some good areas of riverside and some bad ones obviously but that street in particular is very very well kept the city actually i think um has it upkept like once a year or something like that and it's very very nice i just wanted to grab an old picture because that's when they originally planted all those trees and now that's decorated with like tons of flowers and bushes and it looks very nice but I'll move on to the next one since we kind of already went over um, why it's called the Inland Empire and what, you know, the orange uh, trade. It, it's honestly one of the reasons why um, during that time England was very, very prominent because they had such success with the, with the oranges. It, it was very, very popular and they, it grew, it grown very, very large amounts of here. And it's just, very, very good for them to have that kind of cash crop here. So uh, here's the demographics that happened. Um, to the left, that's Israel Beal. 
He was the first uh, black owner in Redlands. He actually has a park named after him. And he was one of the first settlers in Redlands that was a free black man that decided to have his own uh, land. He was an entrepreneur, a philanthropist. And a lot of the the second, the first wave of the Great Migration from the South, a lot of uh, free blacks came over here to California to work during this time of the early 1900s, along with uh, Chinese and other Asian Americans, well, soon to be Americans. Uh, that's why I, I grabbed a, a picture of, um, I'm not sure who that is. It just looks like a cool, you know, Asian guy. And <laughs> I just picked him. And then... What happened was that just the demographics of the area started to drastically change in the early 1900s with uh, Black Americans, Asian Americans, and then uh, Kaiser Steel, which is kind of uh, ironic that Kaiser decided to start to uproot a lot of people from the Midwest and tell them, hey, I'll pay you to go work in California in the steel mill. So that's why I grabbed, um, that's actually one of the pictures from the um, Museum of UCR. That's actually a Midwest worker that went over to Kaiser Steel in Fontana. It's a very, very big um, steel mill that actually helped out a lot during World War One and World War II, uh, especially during the early ages of the early, uh, early 1900s. Along with the, I, that's a picture of um, Juan Marie Estadio, who has a mansion here in San Jacinto. And so this is kind of just the demographics of the area. It just started to quadruple, multiply of there's just the amount of people that came over here because it was very, you know, like you guys, you know, it's desert and not a lot of people would come. So then there was just a mass migration of people in the early 1900s. Um, and this is just basically the same. I just wanted to show the types of people and where they came from. And this is basically the the demographics of the area today. Very large Hispanic, very large Anglo-American um, Midwesterners that came over here that are like third, fourth generation um, uh, Californian. Like I consider myself that um, I'm more Californian than I am, you know, American per se. Yeah, I've been over, like we have, we've had family members here for a long time. Um, so I'm part of that as well. You know, and, a lot, and there's a good amount of uh, all different types of Asians that have came here for work. Uh, you know, the Chinese built the railroads. Uh, the Koreans were in the orange fields. Uh, the Filipinos were in the food industry, and along with other um, free blacks and um, other other slaves of all the other, you know, Irish. There's a ton. There's a big Irish population as well because they're indentured servants, and then they came over here to be free. So, I just wanted to give an overview of the demographics of the area and how it started to boom with the growth of the citrus empire and how it went from a very, very small, small, small populated area to now it's what the biggest populated state in the union, I think. Wow. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just wanted to give an overview for that. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure actually the the whole the the population, but it's definitely a lot uh, yeah. here. It's uh, definitely got a lot of humans out here and a lot of cows. Yeah, and I just was always curious why we have so many people over here, but yet like places like Arizona, Nevada, and like New Mexico, we they don't per se. So I was just you know I've always been I've always been curious on why that is so. And so I just want, I did a little bit of research and find out like exactly 
the different migration waves of the area and, you know, um, just different, different patterns of who came and when, you know? So, uh, I'll nice. I'm going to the next one. So, San Jacinto Beaumont. Um, I'm, you know, I grew up in San Jacinto. Ironically, there's a San Jacinto and Beaumont in Texas, which I found out they were made around the same time, which is kind of weird because how would they know of each other if they were made around the same time? It's not like they had the internet or, uh, you know, Twitter or anything. So, it's just weird that they both were named. And they're also very close to each other, just like they are here. Um, so I always thought that was kind of weird. And there was also a battle of San Jacinto during the Mexican-American War. And just this area of San Jacinto and Beaumont is very interesting. Um, the middle picture is a topographer named John Muir. He's a very, very famous, uh, you know, uh, geologist. And, and he named a lot of the peaks in the area. And I have to agree with him with his quote. If you go on top of Mount San Jacinto, it's it's phenomenal. It's the I've been in mountain peaks in Alaska, which were very very impressive, but nothing beats just the sheer awe mm. and the it just I can't even I don't, I don't even know the words for it. Like it's insane. Like I I hope you can kind of get an idea of the view from here, but you could just see the vastness and the how far away you can see um, with the view. Yeah. And on good days, you can actually view, there's a place called Oceanside. You can actually see the ocean from Mount San Jacinto on a clear day, which is pretty insane. Wow. Yeah. And for the audio listeners, the quote is, the view from San Jacinto is the most sublime spectacle to be found anywhere on this earth. And that's from a dude that traveled all over the world. You know, he was naming peaks in Yosemite and, and, and Yellowstone and, and to say that about just this little rinky-dink town, it's, I, th- I mean, I I have to agree with them. I grew, I mean, I think I'm the only one in in modern history to face to, to climb the east face of Mount San Jacinto, which is kind of dangerous. I actually got helicoptered out. Really? <laughs> so it might have been my last. Did the helicopter um, pilot like hand you a Guinness World Record like as he was taking you home, like? <laughs> No, they're like, what the fuck are you doing, dumbass? I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, wow. man. Because I, I went up it because I've always looked at Mount San Jacinto because there's an S on it. And it's the, I think the sixth steepest mountain in the contingent 48. And I wanted to climb it, but there's no trails. I just literally like free balled it. And in retrospect, by the way, anybody that's listening, please don't. It could have been disastrous. And it was literally like a 45 degree angle. Do you go to like high schools now and tell your story and say like, listen, kids, don't climb this mountain. Trust me. This is what happened to me. (laughs) Hey, you want a free helicopter ride? (laughs) Do it. No, I actually, yeah. I mean, um, kind of, I kind of like, yeah. You're an advocate. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a definitely well, not a Maybe I missed yeah. something. Maybe I missed something. Well, people can learn a lesson from your story. So you are an advocate. Don't don't go and get lost and stranded on a mountain if you're unprepared to get down. Uh, but why is there a picture of Texas there? Is that because the people who named this mountain, they, they came from there? Maybe I missed you, you saying that. Oh, no. I was just saying that um, San Jacinto and Beaumont here are very close to each other 
and they were founded around the same time in the late 1800s. But also the same towns with the same name in Texas, San Jacinto, Texas and Beaumont, Texas are right next to each other and, and founded around the same times as the ones here. So I always thought that was weird why they would name them. Like who told them that? Like how did they? Uh, well, say, I was looking up the uh, San. Uh, oh goodness, San Jacinto. San Jacinto, and I was like, okay, well, what saint? Because it means saint, right? You know, correct. Yeah. So what saint? And it, apparently, it's off of Saint uh, Hyacinth. Yeah. Uh, or Hy- Hyacinth of of uh, old Poland. And uh, that's that's the wrong one. The picture of the one I have is actually the correct one. Oh, is there? Is there? Oh, my bad. No, tell us cool. about yeah, it. It's, it's tell a, us it's about it. It's a very it. common misconception. Oh, well, tell us about it. What's the? Who is this saint? Because for people who aren't uh, watching the video, there's a picture of a skeleton that's dressed up in uh, regalia <laughs> of its time, and it's in a uh, see-through coffin, and it's a saint, and this is a part of Catholic religion to have like. Uh, the relics of a saint, their bones, or even their whole corpse, and you know, uh, prayers and all sorts of rituals are done around them. But what? Who is this? And where is this picture taken from? Is uh yeah Saint Hyacinth. It's same name, ironically. Um, same name, Saint Hyacinth of uh, Cappadocia. He's okay. a martyr and saint of the Catholic Church. He um. He was actually 12, which if you can believe that, huh. he, he died at 12 years old. And the story is that he was um, the assistant to the chaplain of Emperor uh, Trajan. And th- he was protesting, uh, the I think, the church of the time or something. And they were feeding him. And he said, no, I don't want I don't want this food. It was blessed by pagans or something. And, um, I don't, you know, something along that line. Something and, a 12 year old would say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the, the weird thing is that he starved himself to death and to protest this. Like he was like, nah, I'm not going to eat. Um, unless it's blessed by my God or something like that. And then the capture, because they captured him, obviously, when he stopped, because he was the assistant to a, 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 a the chamberlain of, you know, a major emperor of the Roman Empire. And this is the, on the eastern side of the, the Byzantine Empire at the time. And the captures, they, on the day that he died, supposedly said that they saw angels uh, confronting him and putting a crown on his head. So then they made him a martyr and a saint afterwards. And that's his body right there in, um, I think, in Italy. So it's pretty interesting that, you know, they would name a town after him. Two towns. You, you know, it's crazy because I, I can't speak for any other uh, state. But for California, there's a lot of names after saints, right? A there's lot. a lot. A and lot. I was look, looking up, you know, uh, getting ready for there's always deep dives man it never it never ends but the san francisco trip and you know looking up that history and it's the same story it's it's not you just very clearly like if you read the basic 
you know, who St. Francisco was, the story they tell you is complete and utter bullshit because it goes really, really deep. And then when you start to look at the history that all these saints are named after and you hear stories like that, like a 12-year-old boy who's decided to starve himself, you know, and then angels were found putting a crown on his head. You're like, okay, well, what, what type of symbolism is going on here in this story? You know, is it, is it astrotheological? Uh, you know, is it, is it an alchemical story? Is it, you know, and then you start, and I'm, I'm wondering if there's like a puzzle to just the names, like the, the Masons and the people in power who named the towns, if they were, if you could make some sort of like, you know, completed puzzle by looking up all the names of all these saints, which there's a lot because there's yeah. so many damn towns in California. It's just like sand, 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 sand. It's hilarious. But yet again, here's another one. And then they have one in Texas too, where I think there's also a lot of sands. It's just this whole area where the Spanish were obviously pretty fucking prevalent. <laughs> Those fucking sons of bitches. Well, not only just all the sand cities, but even there's just there's like a Pasadena and like, I think like Connecticut or I don't know. I don't know if it's Connecticut, but there's like all these other towns that are renamed either after California or because of California. And I don't, I have no idea why, like, yeah, it's, it's still flabbergasting me why you they know, would, why they do that. Yeah. I, I, and I think, <laughs> let me just stop stuttering here for a second. <laughs> I think a reason um, is, and it's, it's definitely not in the mainstream history, but it's a part of the hidden history of America in general. You know, you have this like couple, at least a hundred year gap before the major conquest of North America started happening from the Spanish conquistadors. You know, they, they obviously knew about North America, but they were focusing on South America where there was a lot more gold that they could get right off the fucking bat and a lot mm-hmm. more people they needed to murder first, you know, so they could have their way with South America. But then they go up, you know, through, um, through the canal system up there and through the coast. And then they find their way to California. And they say that St. Augustine in Florida is the first city founded, a uh, first American city founded by Europeans. And that is uh, like 1565, somewhere around that area. And St. Augustine is known as being, you know, the first city founded but and then they made their way over here from florida as they went down through texas and everything and there's this one and one of the stories of the original name of san francisco came from this um from this uh a spanish inquisitor that's not the right word, but, uh, you know, and he, and he claimed to find these cities of gold there's there's these seven city, cities hidden cities of gold and and I'm just like, I don't know. I still don't buy that fucking story because I think that they had access to California before they they were established in Florida and and those island chains over there, you know, and it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much supremely blackpilled on any mainstream history because <laughs> there's always some sort of like six other stories that tie with it. And I'm alluding to, uh, I, I don't even know, but California, I think, was discovered um, before other states. I'll say that. I, I think I think the Spanish were here and had a lot more uh, access to the, the, the gold before the major gold rush and everything. And yeah, brother, this is great 
please continue. I'm going to stop rambling. Um, there, you, there you go. I mean, even San Bernardino, like, uh, that, that, had, that's a major city. And I mean, I don't want to go too much into it, but while they have that shooting in San Bernardino, like I, I remember hearing about that shooting over 4chan way before the news. So I've always like, was suspicious, suspicious of the back to the mainstream narrative, why they named the cities, it, what kind of vibe. I mean, even back then, San Bernardino was rated um, an all-American city, but now it's one of the worst cities in America. So it's like, what are they trying to uh, create these cities so that they create all this negative energy afterwards? Same thing with San Jacinto. San Jacinto was a very, very uh, popular and, and affluent farming town, and now it's one of the worst. I mean, it's not the worst. It's pretty. Ch- I mean, it's chill, but like, mm. there's a lot of poverty. There's a lot of crime, especially in Hemet. Like it. I think they do it on purpose to have, like you said, vibes or like a, a esoteric kind of like hint, like, oh, it's a saint city, so you better not live there, or it's going to give you a certain vibe, or it's going to give you a certain vibration. So I, I definitely agree with you. Maybe they're cursed. They, the saint cities are, are meant to have some sort of curse on them or something like that. A lot of curses, dude. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah, lot of saints. Wow. <laughs> Um, I just oh, I added in the bottom one just to show um, more evidence for the flood because th- this is like a, 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 a picture of what SoCal looks like to some people. Like, and I want to get you guys is like, you want to like give me your idea. Like these hills, they look like a lot of water has been th- like either thrown on top or through them. Correct. Like it, it just see all the, the ridges and the veins I don't know, like, no one's ever been able to explain why this area has all these types of rounded hills and areas, especially, like, this is the backside of San Jacinto and Hemet. Why? Is it that no one's been able to explain it, or is it that it's not a question that needs to be asked? Not to dismiss your point, but it just, I don't know. I mean, I've seen mountains before. It looks pretty similar to other mountains around the world maybe i'm not a mountaineer i couldn't say for sure but uh well there's just not a lot of water though like in your area there's like snow yeah, it makes sense why there'd be at a lot some of... point in time there's water and and over time that accumulates and yeah maybe maybe they have a different shape because of the frequency of rain there now than maybe compared to like the more pointy mountains i mean if you look at some of these swiss alp mountains it's just like a straight up incline into (laughs) the clouds you know so yeah yeah, i get your point but uh but i don't know i I think there's definitely a geographical explanation for that yeah i get i mean i don't know i just i just haven't found it i guess i guess to your point both both are true i guess you know i just haven't been able to i haven't been able to find an ample evidence on you know why these desert mountains look the way they do um i, I took a small stint uh when and when i when i was in college i i took physical geography and physical geology and a lot of it goes over topographical um you know atmosphere and and faces of mountains and then you get into like waterways and stuff and so um i suggest looking up some dissertations on like uh on like physical geology and oh. physical geography of the area. And like maybe the colleges have done some, uh, some papers on that that can give, give us some more of that, that good old science, uh, 
what they think is the reason because you know those nerds wrote something on it <laughs> it's sure. important just, though it is important bro i i i agree and you know i I think maybe that California itself is a fragile piece of the tectonic lands and uh, it could very well have been submerged and submersed in uh, a lot of water at some point, you know, cataclysms can happen really fucking fast. And, you know, you look at all these uh, other islands all throughout the Pacific that are just barely sunken under the water. They're just barely sunken. The entire Aleutian chain that connects from uh, Australia all the way up to Hawaii, where that new magma is shooting out a, a mile of new island. That's a, a 2019, which is insane. That's a mile of brand new earth. So volcanic activity mixed with tectonic activity. Um, I, I think, I think, I have a theory and uh, I'm built too much on it, but that California itself was the motherland of the Lemurian empire at that time. Ooh, I haven't and heard this one. Please enlighten me. <laughs> it's just that. I mean, that's all it is really. It's a, it's that it's just the tagline. I have no meat to it. So oh, okay. you know, it's just clickbait. But uh, you know, I, I think so because you have talked with a few people on the show about uh, Lemuria, you know, cause Everybody talks about Atlantis, but we gotta we gotta bring up that other culture as well. You know the the supposed matriarchal to that patriarchal. You gotta have the the um, hermetic value there. You know, and I think the Lemurian culture was was a more spiritual land, and so on and so forth. And I I do think that California um, was was a floater at some point, and I think it it I think it was conjoined. Uh, you know, I know you said the island thing earlier that they were talking about the Baja down there. And, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm just yet again rambling about some good old speculations. No, you're good. I just haven't heard this from anybody. I mean, there's very few people that it kind of, I kind of shoot or bounce ideas off of. And I mean, try, try to explain Tartaria to a normal person. You just, it, it just goes through one ear out the other. Mm. So to hear that <laughs> California, you know what I mean? Like, was that you know it, it's it was called you know aslan you know it was called new in new california alta california so mm -hmm. i mean you probably have some guy i haven't heard anything from the normies around my area you know they're granted that they're normies but you know um i love them to death but you know i just any of my people that i interact with here they they their knowledge on this type of subjects are very very mm, i want to say you know, limited, but it, it's just that they don't. Well, that that they seems don't to be. Volcanoes are sacred. That volcanoes seems to be the sacred. case everywhere we look. You know, especially in places that are particularly powerful. And William Henry made that point uh, uh, when we looked at Nashville. But yeah, it, it's it's definitely a pleasure to have you here to to dive in deeper. And I hope the listeners of this show appreciate learning about a place like the Inland Empire. It's probably one of the more uh, unique places, regions, in comparison to the rest of the United States. Um, but what's what's next here? What, what do we okay. got on the next slide? Uh, Hemet, um, like I was saying earlier, uh, the top left is the Ramona pageant. It's actually the longest-running uh, outdoor uh, concert. I don't want to say concert, but I guess performance uh, in American history. Besides the one that... I, I think they're tied or they're very, very close with the one that's on the East coast. I think it's in North Carolina. 
it's like those uh, those islands that like speak Dutch. You're not Dutch, but they've got like that weird uh, different uh, dialect of North Carolina. Um, they have an outdoor um, performance as well, I think. But I, th- this is what the Wikipedia says and stuff. But so, and what our claim to fame in Hemet um, that the Ramona pageant, the Ramona Bowl, is the longest running. Maybe it's continuous, I guess. Maybe it's the longest running continuous outdoor performance. And, you know, people have uh, field trips to it. It's very, very, you know, someone's like, oh, I was the bush. You know, like they like they take pride in it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, I don't people know. People love I, to dance, man. You got to give you got to give the people music, man. It's cool. It's just cultural. I respect it. I love it. I mean, it's just it's just part of the. No. And by pageant, you you what do you mean? Like a theatrical performance with music, or just like yeah. a performance of different musicians? What what is what is this for people it's like who a play. aren't? It's what they do. It's like a pageant. So it's like you, uh, they pick a girl, and she'll be the Ramona pageant. Okay, girl so you're talking that. about Roanoke in South Carolina. You're saying yes, the old, the oldest theater, outdoor theater, is Roanoke. Yeah, we. Yes. I think that's North Carolina. Um, but yeah, very cool. That's okay. What I was yeah, sorry, I, I wasn't too sure. No, I it's all right. This is the okay. first one west of the Mississippi, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, yeah, just a play. It's like they just they just do a play every year, um, and then one girl gets um, promoted to Ramona Pageant Girl, and you know, it's like it's it's all festive. Wow. It's just lore. Interesting. So, you know, Thinking um, of like uh, that name, it's kind of got like a rock star appeal. Like Ramona is like a name of, of several songs, and the Ramones also comes to mind. But uh, yeah, well, very fascinating. The, um, there's also the Ramona Expressway, which a lot of the we were talking about trains and stuff. One of the major expressways is Ramona, and so to get east to west, you take they took the Ramona Expressway to come through this this area so I, I don't know if that's where it derives from but you're right it's very 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 popular um interesting so uh i wanted to get into Hemet's florida street so the middle one is florida street in i think the 70s i just think it looked cool so i didn't want to grab a modern one uh, it, you know it looks like almost exactly the same and florida street you know it's weird we have a bunch of these like i know it's weird i don't know we have like um like Florida, we have like a like Colorado. I don't know. I don't know why they they named these streets these these things. But um, back in the day, the famous part of Hemet was this Florida Street because there's actually more banks per capita on this one street than anywhere else in America. On this like five mile strip, there's literally I think a dozen banks. Is this like a tax haven thing or like a gold rush thing? Yeah, you're getting you're already on top of it. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Um, so what would happen was back in the day, uh, early 1900s, late 1800s, when the town first was invented, they would take money from LA, San Diego, and put it into these banks because it's safe. You know, it, it's you're out in the middle of nowhere, and your your money's relatively safe. So robbers started to catch privy of this. And so it became the most actually the most robbed place in the world because people would try to rob this place because it was the richest, like it was up there with black wall street. If you guys are um, up on that, uh, I think it's in Oklahoma or something. There's a place called black wall street that was very, very rich and affluent. So 
to deter that, there's actually tunnels that lead all the way from one side of the street to the other and then kind of uh, branches out from then. So the, what they would do is that if it would say you're getting robbed, you would just go into the tunnel and just leave. Like, all right, whatever, man. Like, try and get into the safe. Good luck, bro. And then they would just leave. Damn. And more underground yeah. action. Exactly. And then that's why I put the storm drain tunnels because they actually started to increase the tunnels in the area, which I can kind of uh, go into more because they would have these tunnels like on the top right that go from Ryan's airport, which is a relatively new airport it was built after World War II. And it goes right to the Scientology place, March Air Force Base. It goes all the way down to San Diego, to the beach. For no apparent reason, there's just a vast tunnel system under the under our city. And it started off with these banks. So then they just branched off from these bank, t- bank tunnels. And they just started making more and more and more um, <laughs> for whatever reason. Is there and- any movies on that? <laughs> I love heist movies, dude. I'm all about Let's make heist. One. <laughs> no there's nothing i can think of it's just a uh, lore i found out um because my buddy told me about um the first tunnel i found out about which was like right on florida and state street which is like the major street um that cuts through town and he's like hey you know there's a tunnel that leads from shaky's there's like a pizza place to uh shooters which is like a bar going to shaky's and going to shooters baby yeah, I was like, okay. And he's like, I was like, why are they there? He's like, and he told me the whole story I just revealed. And I was like, no fucking way, dude. I was like, what do you mean there's tunnels under Hemet? And he's like, yeah, dude, look at it. I'll show you the entrance. And he sh- and then there's a bunch of these tunnels with the graffiti and stuff all over town for air holes, for escape um, vents, what, what, what have you. And then the actual military made the one on the top right from March Air Force Base all the way to Ryan's Airport, which is on East Hemet area. And I thought it was weird because the next slide is about Scientology, but the Scientology people like Tom Cruise and all them, they don't drive into town. They fly and then they take the tunnel into the um, gold base. The For whatever reason. Base. Yeah. Those, uh, it's on the next slide, but yeah, it, it's, uh, oh. it, I don't See know why. It. Yeah. Let's go to that. Okay. Um, yeah. I just wanted to show him it. Um, and Absolutely. Him. It has been, Killing it, dude. Him. Oh, here we go. Got the G. Oh, you love to see it. Yeah, exactly. That's what that was. That's the picture I was telling you guys earlier about. Um, that dude that showed me the TikTok of uh, a sign. I mean, not sign. Told uh, the Mason Cave that's over by Gilman Hot Springs, and it creeped me the fuck out. To be honest, I saw this and I was like, wait a minute, what the hell? Because the video shows him going into that cave, and then he opens up that door, and it's it's insane. Like there's just these seats on the side of this cave. That's huge. It's vast. I mean, if you type in, uh, it's on Reddit. I think if it's like, you type in Freemason Gilman Springs and it pops right up and it's just like this 30 second video of him freaking out. And he's like, I gotta get out of here. And it's creepy. Like there's like a pole in the middle. So like, I think they tied people up in the middle and they probably flogged them or something. Who knows what the hell they did. And it's just creepy. I didn't know about this until like two years ago. And I have no idea why they, um, they, and then this is right where the gold base is like so the, the map on the right. That's called Gilman hot springs. It's actually an unincorporated city that the Scientology people bought. It's not part of Senecino. It's not part of Hemet. It's its own entity. 
and it has its own laws too. So that's why they're able to do all this shit because it's it's its own thing. I think Saboba, the Native American tribe, sold it to them. So it's their own. Gilman Springs has a Freemasonic cache of gold. Is that fair to assume? Uh, not not to my knowledge, but I want to doubt it. <laughs> I want to not, not be surprised. What do you think's in this yes. cave? Because clearly it's barred <laughs> up. Answer. It's blocked off by the Freemasons. There's that symbol right there on the gate that they built in front of this cave. On both parts of it. The top, if you look on the, the top left, you see that blue symbol? That's the G as yeah. well. Oh uh, what? Yeah, wow. Yeah, see, the, see, the, it's not graffiti. That's that's the symbol. In blue, is it is it paint? Is it stenciled? I'm very curious. No, it's a it's it's metal. What about these uh, these ladies here next to uh, that that cave entrance there on the left? That's the beginning of the uh, Ryan's Airport. Is the is below them, and they they are just Seneca citizens um, in the beginnings of the tunnels. So I just thought it would be like the context, like how big these tunnels are. I just wanted to give a, a, a size a description, you know? So the, the, this kind uh, of determines a little bit of an initiate. Or like you need to be an initiate to even fly into this airport, go through this tunnel, and enter yeah. town. Wow. Yeah, so, I don't know why. They, they just have this random airport in this small town. Like Hemet's only like 60,000 people. Who the hell's flying into this like one uh, way you know like look at how small it is like how it's not even an airport I don't even know what it is you know but yeah you're right I happen you... to just look up this uh, latitude it happens to be on the 33 degree latitude also oh god oh, <laughs> shit. I was gonna <laughs> say earlier like LA is wow. on the 33rd degree parallel dude so yeah right here hope oh, thank you Chad yeah that's that's interesting. There's a lot of alignments on that 33rd degree. Um, very interesting. But um, yeah, like the fucking Freemason gold stash here in fucking Hemet, California. Who the fucking thought? And who was born in Hemet? Did you say <laughs> Bill fucking Murray? Who's got the bills, bro? They buried the bills in the Mount Flurry Murrays, bro. Well, you have to also remember that um, <laughs> Marilyn Monroe's uncle is buried in Hemet Cemetery, and a lot of the early, um, he- not Hemet, sorry, a lot of the early Hollywoods people would party in the Hemet Hills, and a lot of the drug trade was pushed through this area because there's a very, very prominent um, drug trade in this valley because of the Sabobans and the natives. They have like you know. They have free range to do whatever the fuck they want in their in their land, which is off due right of this picture of uh, of the Scientology base, and they can do whatever the hell they want. It's it's very very well known that they grow weed, they grow heroin, they grow whatever the fuck they want, and the police can't go onto their land. It's it's their land, and so even back then, even my my uncle, um, not my blood uncle, but he told me stories of they used to live in Movell and Moreno Valley, which is about. 30 miles away from here, they would drive in and distribute the drugs from there and go from places to LA, San Diego, Oceanside, Huntington beach. So it was a very, very prominent area for Hollywood elites to go to Idlewild, the mountain or Hemet Hills to party, to do drugs, to traffic people to, it was very, very prominent. And it's very, very sad. And I don't think it's a lot, it's not very well known, unfortunately. Hmm. Super interesting. Uh, yeah. 
Wow. Uh, there's, there's a lot. This, this shit just went way deeper uh, with, the, with this slide. Yeah. Unfortunately. And I mean, it's just, it just sucks that, that not a lot of people know. I mean, they just, they just shit talk this area because it's poverty, but that's the reason they, they think, why would they put it into this area? Cause no one's going to ask any questions. No one's going to probe, you know, cause we're just broke. We're poor. Like no one really, you know, cares about it. You know, especially people in this area and it sucks. It almost reminds me of, uh, you know, like it's, it's this one letter away from hermit and kind of almost like hermetic, you know, and the Freemasons are all about hermeticism. You, you know, they're squaring the compass is like a, as above, so below version of a pyramid, you know, it's like, and obviously they're using tunnels. That's another version. And, and, and you know, reptiles love, love caves, you know, uh, well, they also get out of yeah. the public eye. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and we kind of, I, I, we brought this up earlier in the beginning. I was like, there's, I was like, I wonder about the caves, caves here. And then this, this Freemason gold cave from this airport, that's nuts. And then you hear about all these tunnels leading like under the, uh, under the border that go into Mexico. Like that's mm-hmm. pretty prominent as well. And they go there as well. Cause there's the, um, uh, Coachella Valley, which is right around this mountain. And it's a straight shoot to uh, Mexico. My brother's a cop in Co- Cathedral City and, and, uh, and Coachella Valley. And it's very prominent. Like, they they told him not to pull over certain cars because that's, like, cartel cars. Like, he's like, all right, I'm going to do that. Like, I don't want to, <laughs> you yeah. know? They, yeah. they give a whole meeting. They're like, yeah, don't pull over whatever. You know, like the like the dudes that sell fruit on the side of the road with rainbow uh, uh, umbrellas? Same thing. It's just a calling card. Like this is cartel shit. It's don't fuck with us. There's even a Mexican mafia um, mansion in Lake Elsinore, which I saw. I showed the picture. They're up in that hill in the or Ortega Mountains. So it's very, very prominent to be in these hidden areas and just have these baller houses and just trap out of these houses. Very, very common. Unfortunately, but like you said about Hermetic, it's kind of funny because. I don't know if it's true. I, there's no evidence for it, but there's just like a local rumor that Hemet was designed and built with satanic roads in, in mind, as in like there's like pentagons and, and shit like that. But I, I can't tell from the sky and I don't, there's no evidence, but I just remember that being a lore like back in high school. <laughs> so you might be onto something. I just can't find anything or have any word, evidence. The word hermit comes to mind when you say Hemet, which, you know, is a tarot card, but yeah, it's your, interesting for sure and the scientology base is very interesting as well so i want to kind of get into that a little bit because they are very very private you can't take a meeting you can't go there there's tons of people that that i've known or that like you know friends of friends that have tried to sneak in they have mics they have snipers they have uh, barbed wire they have um see all the the lakes they have just in case the water fails and it's very interesting that they've bought this area and they're actually building into the side of the mountain that they're, yeah, they're literally building into it. I, I, this is a recent thing too, like probably it started in 2012. And this is around the same time. If you look on the map, uh, it says the castle, that castle was a porn distribution and a video editing place. And then the Scientology people bought it up. So they just wanted to have that castle there for whatever reason. 
it used to be not theirs and then now it's theirs. It doesn't make a lot of sense, you know? Wow. Uh, it's funny too, because they say that, um, the, the house of, or the home of Scientology is in Florida. Uh, in what, fuck, we, I passed through it last time I was there, but yeah, it's over on the East coast of Florida. There's another like home of Scientology. So here we have a, yet again, another Florida, California connection. Exactly. And also, um, not Ron McGavage. Uh, oh, by the way, if you guys ever want to research about the Scientology place, I'd highly suggest the Joe Rogan episode of Ron McGavage. He accidentally calls this Hemet. I'm not gonna not gonna bitch too much about it. I mean, it is technically Seneseno, and technically it's Gilman Hot Springs. So I'm like, come on, dude. You lived there for how long? I mean, come on. But he really, really goes deep into what all these buildings do, what they like what exactly they were using them for. And there's also a big, big, like life-sized half of a boat for some strange reason. Now, when I was growing up, I always thought that was an actual boat. It was a full-size boat in hopes that if Lake Hemet broke or like an earthquake or something happened, they would have a boat to survive, but they're stupid and it's just half a boat. So I was like, well, they're dumb. (laughs) Like, why would you have half a boat? Why don't you just have a whole boat just in case Lake Hemet breaks and then you don't die? But I guess that's where Tom Cruise's party house is, 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 is inside that boat. Oh, God. Man, I, you know what else is kind of blowing my blowing my load right here uh, is the uh, – who is the man behind – L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, yeah. Him and Jack Parsons, you know, famously did that Ode to Pan uh, – ritual to open the gates and i can't remember exactly where it is in southern california but it was near an opening like a cave opening and then you know he was famously uh homaged as being like the the daddy of scientology l ron hubbard and then you have in the same area you have tunnels and caves and you know the freemason gold cave and then the scientology headquarters here so it's like you know doing uh, these types of rituals in this area of California uh, on this 33rd degree parallel is very interesting. Exactly. I didn't even know that. And I lived here my whole life. So I'm glad you told me because I had no idea. But you know, what's funny though, is that if you look on the top right of the picture, you could see that it's his, his house for his return. If you read it, it says um, L. Ron Hubbard's like mansion or L. Ron Hubbard's house. And then in quotations for his return, like that fool's dead. Like, why the hell would you build that? It doesn't make any sense. Shapeshifters. But it's weird, too, because this thing has been here since I was born. So this is a minimum of 30 years. Minimum. You know, I don't I don't know how long it was built. I don't, like, I can't find any solid evidence of when exactly it was built. And the only reason why they call it gold-based because the golden era productions that they bought out, that porn distribution center, you know, back when we had DVDs and shit and VHSs. And... There's the red base in Hollywood. So it's like they just named these places for arbitrary reasons. I don't know. And this is supposedly where everybody gets tortured. So <laughs> what? in that interview, in that Ron McGavage interview, he talks about it. How you would get flown in, you take the tunnel to here, and unless you're Tom Cruise or, or anybody else, you're not. it's not a fun time. And there's been total, like, blocking a blacklisted like evidence or information about this area. 
I mean, even in my town, I've heard of stories of dudes leaving and then getting shot or like people trying to escape and then people trying to help. Um, and it just, it's, it's flabbergasting because that, see that major road, it says Gilman hot springs. You can't see inside of it. There's tons of trees and they're making even more. So if you're driving, you don't see any of this. And there's trees all throughout the border of it. So even if you're like walking on the San Jacinto River or like, I mean, I don't know why you would, but like you can't see anything. There's just tons of trees and bushes and, and gates. I'm, they sneaking, don't want I'm sneaking into this fucking place, dude. Are you kidding me? You can't. It's impossible to trust That's me. That's not, no. <laughs> you try? Uh, I've known people that have tried and you can't, they have mics, they have snipers, they have uh, guards. You can't snipers? get snipers. Yeah. See that top, the top part is the eagle. That's where they have snipers. What the fuck? Infrared too. That's, but it's crazy. Cause in Portland, they would just try to get you to join the Scientology church. They would, they would like beg you to come. <laughs> We're showing a movie. You guys are going to love it. It's such a high quality production of the movie. Just come into our church, please. And watch this movie. You're going to love it. You're like, I don't know. You're, I mean, you're, you're kind of hot. So I might have to do it just to, uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but apparently they don't want you to come into this church here. So, yeah. Wow. They're doing some evil shit, dude. Like they're torturing people. They're trying to reprogram their maybe some MK Ultra action. I don't know, but the way Ron Miscavige explains it in the interview, it's it's pretty dark. Like what's his name? Ron Miscavige. Um, M I S C A V G E. It's the dad of David Miscavige, who's the leader of it of the Scientology um, right now. And it's a very oh, interesting uh, interview he had with uh, Joe Rogan. Wow. He even explained how he escaped, and I know exactly what he did. He went off to the left, and then he went and he took the fucking 60 freeway. I know exactly what he did. Mm. It's smart. I mean, you wouldn't want to go deep into San Jacinto with all the stoplights and shit. Like, you, you'd go you'd go west into Riverside and, and Moreno Valley. It makes sense, you know? Trip out, dude. Well, I know. The truth, the truth comes out, man, and, uh, and him it. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. fascinating stuff. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. I didn't realize all that about the Scientologists, but uh, we're almost coming to the end here. I know we don't have that much more time. Um, what's the, the last few slides? Is there anything that's really important that you don't want to leave out? Um, no, this is the last slide. I just have one. Um, you talked about UFOs earlier. I would like, um, the, yeah, there's yes, definitely. Yes, we are. <laughs> There's definitely UFO activity in this area. Uh, I myself, I witnessed one um, that I probably will never forget because just because like, you know, I'm always looking up in the sky. I'm trying to see comets. I'm trying to see um, whatever. And one time I'm just hanging out. <laughs> anything. Um, yeah, just anything, bro. And so one time I'm hanging out with my buddies and we're, you know, we're in front of a house and we're looking due east at the Mount Senesino. Uh, peak and then we just get this glimpse of uh two bright orange lights that are connected vibrate like they're vibrating and they're connected kind of like the the cloud city ships in star wars like you know how they're connected at the bottom but they're still like they're just you know there's two bright like, ships but they're connected in the middle so i saw that and they're vibrating and they 
are going extremely fast. They pass over Idlewild and then they cross over the Mount, Mount San Jacinto in a matter of three seconds, which is like wow. physically impossible. It's insane. Like, and so I saw that and uh, my buddy next to me saw it too. So I'm, you know, I wasn't just seeing something, you know, I wasn't going crazy. And I was like, dude, Louie, you saw that? And he's like, yeah, man. I was like, what the fuck was that? And I was like, I don't know, dude. I was like, that wasn't a ship, was it? And he's like, no, that was too fast. And plus it was just vibrating too fast. Like, you know, it's just the balls were just vibrating way too fast. And it was just also way too bright and way too, like, it was just traveling way too fast. And so we thought, we're like, damn, that's crazy. And then, like, literally, like, five, ten seconds later, it made another loop. So it was so fast that it made another loop around the mountain in a matter of, like, ten seconds. I don't know where it went. It probably went towards, like you said, uh, Joshua Tree or, or 29 Palms or Big Berry, but it somehow, some way, it made two loops, and it wasn't – I don't want to say it was human. I don't want to say it was aliens. I don't know what it was, but it was definitely something I've never seen or never have seen in since. So something fishy was going on, and I don't know what. <laughs> I know, Man, creepy, right? That's and and how low how low were they? Were they pretty they were pretty low? Yeah, like right on top of the mountain. Like if you're looking at Mount Tennessee, it was like two inches above it. I'm like, what Jeez. are you doing? <laughs> and it went all the way around Idlewild, which is insane because Idlewild's insanely big. So it went all the way around Idlewild in front of Mount Tennessee, took a right, made a big circle, did it again, and then that was it. Are there uh, what's the nearest Air Force base area around there? Or testing grounds. Uh, March Air Force Base. The facility. Yeah, March Air Force Base is the closest. So I, I don't know, but it just doesn't make sense why two balls were connected by electricity or something or some kind of vibration. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it was. But Man. that's some yeah, that's my UFO orb, story. Major orb activity, dude. Yeah, there's that area is incredibly prominent, dude. Like. I uh, had a pretty spiritual experience in, in, in Joshua Tree. And then to wrap it up at the end, we were uh, heading out and they have an observatory there uh, on one of the exit roads. And they were they were hosting like a Saturn viewing uh, at the observatory. You could look through the telescope. And it was, yeah, it was like the clearest I'd ever seen a planet, you know, through a telescope. And uh, I was just waiting for like the planet just to get like sucked up by like an, like some sort of like entity worm or something that it didn't it stayed in the sky. It was very chill. Uh, but dude, it's, it's insane that I feel like we could, we got, I say this on every episode too, damn it. But I feel like we should probably do another episode, another deep dive into this area and, you know, go into so, cause it seems so mysterious, man, but you did a great job. We covered a lot Thank of you. ground, dude. What I was thinking is that, like, if you get someone that can give you an L.A., like, an L.A. episode, and then I could just be there, you know, that'd be cool. Um, or just, like, you know, chime in. But, like, because this is just one part of California. There's probably another episode just for NorCal. Like, we could talk about Chico, like like you said. Like, you know, NorCal has its own episode, and let alone L.A. and San Diego probably have their own respective ones as well, which... I mean, I don't know anybody, but I'm just saying, like, if anybody's out there, I'm pretty sure that they could have their own episode just from L.A. and San Diego. Of course, I'll tell you something of course. About the northern, 
Northern California coast. I drive it all the time and there's Freemason signs all over for the little tiny towns. Like these are tiny coastal towns. And you see like on just like welcoming sign, you know, where they have like the Lions Club, Rotary and everything. It's just the, the square and compass right there. And and so uh, they definitely sprawled out from San Francisco. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're just right down the road from Bohemian Grove up here as well. Um, it's like, yeah, the, they definitely, definitely love it, man. And it was a great, great connection there at the end of Scientology. I'm going to dive into that Joe Rogan episode tomorrow. I, I, don't, I haven't listened to Joe in a while, but he's had a couple bangers recently. So I'm going to have to check it out. Very good. Yeah, I'd definitely check it out. But thank you for you guys' time. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, dude. Um, thank you so much. This has been fun. Um, the 33rd parallel, I didn't expect that to come into play. I know there's so much more to touch on with that, and I'm excited to come back to this region, of course. If you uh, meet anybody that knows more about a certain area or that area, yeah, put us in touch with them. And uh, I think in the future we ought to do this show live on YouTube, so... There's no reason why you can't be watching live and chiming in in the in the live audience, and we can get everybody involved that way and and bring more people on because we want to encourage everybody. Even if you are if you if you live in the Inland Empire, you know by no means uh, did we cover it all in one episode. So oh no, definitely yeah. So it's a pleasure been to be uh, to be imagining and exploring of course i've never been there myself it's probably a lot easier for roman being a californian or in a you know west coast guy but um yeah it's it's really cool to be able to explore so thank you for taking us on this tour and uh till next time folks chad you got any final thoughts before we wrap up yeah that's what thank you man that was awesome uh i knew nothing about having it before today now i know there's a maze rock that looked really cool there's native american burials there's mastodons thunderbird and arrowhead mountain secret initiation cage for the freemasons next to a scientology base on the 33rd i mean come on fantastic remember remember master canyons right next to it remember Right. 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 Well, this has been a fantastic episode as usual, and uh, I look forward to more episodes. Thanks again, Jack, and uh, and until next time, folks. Enjoy exploring your ever expanding now in the esoteric Americas. <laughs>